Welcome once again to another episode of the Poetress Ponderings Podcast. We are confident that you will enjoy this 10th episode that will once again cause you to pause, to ponder, and then to project. This week we are switching it up a little bit because co-host Melinda Poitras will be the one who is taking care of the discussion. In this week's podcast, Melinda, along with her sister, Kendra Poitras Farini, and special returning guest, Celinda Nickel, discuss part of the book, Living Out of the Overflow. So here is this week's host, Melinda Poitras. Hello, and welcome to the Poitras Ponderings podcast. I am Melinda Poitras, the official co-host of this podcast. I know you don't get to hear from me very often, but that is all changing today. I am joined by two of my favorite people. First of all, a lifelong favorite of mine, CPF, which stands for Kendra Poitras Farini, who is an LPC, which stands for Licensed Professional Counselor, but her greatest credential is probably that she's my sister. I don't know. I may be biased. We are also joined by Celinda Nickel. You know that she's amazing. You know that she's a great favorite of mine and our families. She's the executive director of Compassion Services International. And we're here today to talk about the book that we've been discussing on this podcast, Living Out of the Overflow. So, Linda, why don't you pick up with where Elijah is at in the narrative right now? Well, first of all, I am so honored to be with you to some of my favorite people are in the middle of this podcast. So if you could just crunch yourself into our room, you would feel a big hug from all of us. But um, in today's narrative, we find Elijah at probably one of my favorite stories. He is coming against 450 prophets of Baal. So that's a one to 450 ratio of just going in and having a great mighty victory for the Lord. But the Lord, as we know, does stand for him and with him. Here's the deal. Not only did the whole um, sacrifice get licked up, but we find that even the stones are like gone. Like that is, I don't know about you, Melinda, but that is like amazing to me. Like the stones are even gone. So this is like a mighty demonstration of who the Lord is. He should be rejoicing right now. He should be like running laps, giving people high fives saying, who is my Jesus? He goes down, he kills 450 prophets of Baal. Now that is a lot of slaughter time. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine, the muscle that he used, a lot of energy being like cycled out of his body. And we see that after that, he goes and says, now it is going to rain. Rain happens. And we find that he tells his confidant, his person that he's the closest to, to leave him. And he's going to go take a little journey. So we find him now in this little journey by himself, sitting under a tree. And he tells the Lord, you know what? This is a great time for me to die. Just let me die here. What? Yeah. What? Like, this is the highlight of his whole ministry. And, you know, then he tells the Lord, I'm just ready to die. And so for you and I looking at that in the natural, it's like, who are you? Like, you've been on the greatest high that anybody can have in their ministry. 
and the next moment it's like crash and burn. So I think the reason why I'm so thankful this is included in this Old Testament story is because how many times have you and I felt exactly the same way? We come off of a great high. We come off of a spiritual, like, you know, take over hell with a squirt gun. And then we're like, or let the flames engulf me. And so, you know, I don't have the reasons for that in the physical sense, but Kendra, queen of all knowledge in this area, please enlighten us as to what is going on in this story. Sure. Um, So something that I noticed while I was reading the text, first of all, great book, give it a read. Uh, So Linda recommended and I went through and had had a peek at the the few chapters that we're discussing today. And uh, something that stuck out to me is, first of all, that this has been building or culminating really for years of his life. He's been preparing for this moment. And, you know, finally, the people are going to see who God truly is, you know, perhaps uh, nasty Jezebel and her hubby, you're going to see who God really is. And, you know, it, it finally happens. And uh, something that was pointed out in the book is that um, it's this big showdown and his arch nemesis, Jezebel, doesn't even show, you know, she doesn't even show up. So something that stuck out to me is sometimes we have expectations for those big moments in our lives, or we can kind of put a cap on like what our expectation is that God's going to do through that. And when that's not realized that right there can send you into that emotional spiral of like, okay, well, what's, you know, I thought I knew what was up, what's going on right now. Uh, And the other thing is that after all of this goes down, in essence, Jezebel makes that threat where she's like, you know, by this time tomorrow, you're a dead man, basically. And we see that um, it's that classic fight, flight, or freeze response from Elijah, where uh, he's obviously not working from the like the logic part of his brain, because logically, I mean, God's just given you this great victory. Surely he can protect you from this woman. But he's in that emotion center, and he's not, you know, he's thinking, oh, you know, my life is in danger, and he just runs away. The desert, in essence. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And that's where we see the the angel coming to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only does the angel, can we talk about this a little bit? I'm sorry. Yes. It might be because the fact that, you know, dinner is on the way or something like that is going to happen very soon in my life. Mm-hmm. But can we talk about the fact that the angel tells him, you know what? Go ahead, or he goes ahead and he takes a nap, which I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of taking naps. Yes. Like I feel like when I'm stressed out, one of the major things I can do is just go take a rest, remove myself from the situation, mm-hmm. get rest in my body. But then he wakes up. Can we just go there mentally, please? He wakes up and an angel is cooking him bread on the coals. Mm-hmm. Like, is that not an, a little bit of heaven right there in front of him? And he gives him bread and he gives him, you know, water to drink. And so it's like physically he has got to be restored. And Kendra, I mean, I know there's got to be there's got to be an example to all of us during the situation of what needs to happen in that process of restoration. Mm -hmm. So the thing I love about that, that you just mentioned with um, the angel cooking him, cooking him the bread, it kind of reminds me a little bit of of Melinda, because 
like, you know, God could have sent the angel with like a hot dog from QT, uh-huh. God sent the angel with like, here's this, you know, microwavable burrito, you know, yeah. anything. I'm thankful he didn't do that though. Ugh. No, yeah. that would have been weird. And they didn't have microwaves back in the day, but in right. sense, he sends this person that gives them like a good home cooked meal. I was like, uh-huh. oh, this is like some good Southern cooking right here. So shout out to Melinda. Cause I feel like when I am down, she will bake the breads or the cakes for me. I mean, do we need to pause and sing right now? I feel like this might be that moment. No, too soon. No. <laughs> so I love. I just love that. Um, and then I think the other the other thing that's important to note is is the connection between each part of ourselves. I think sometimes we compartmentalize as humans, like we deal with like our physical health. Or we might be focused on our spiritual health, et cetera. But all of them are interconnected and they work together. Um, So, you know, it's interesting, you know, like we talk about, oh, I feel hangry. I mean, that's literally a thing. When When your body is not fed physically, when those basic needs are not taken care of, you're not able to respond in the best way emotionally. Right. Um, So, you know, some simple things that we talk about, uh, some easy things to remember. So first of all, halt. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, those four things right there, you're not able to make the best decisions. So, you know, addressing those needs are so important. Um, You know, I'm sure we've heard it before. All of us are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, if we don't meet those basic needs first, Um, It's really hard. Like, for example, if I haven't eaten in five days, it's really hard for me to, you know, care anything about like philosophical discussions. You know, I just want to eat like some scrambled eggs or whatever, you know. Um, And then another thing that comes to mind is uh, the healthy mind platter, which is something that is uh, made popular by Dan Siegel. Uh, he does a lot of work on brain development for children and adolescents. Really interesting. I would I would recommend reading up on him if you're interested in that type of thing. Um, and the healthy mind platter is basically, if you will, if you'll consider back in the day, back in your elementary school days where you had the food pyramid that talked about all the different food groups and those things that you, you needed for... Um, healthy nutrition. So that's basically the healthy mind platter is basically in essence that for the brain. So things like focus time, downtime, we need time to just sit and let our minds wander, uh, sleep time, physical time, as much as that's not my super duper favorite, um, you know, to get up in the morning and move around, have some physical activity is so important. Uh, time inside. So time for quiet reflection, to sit journaling, you know, thinking about our thoughts and feelings, playtime. I think sometimes that's something we forget about as adults, but that's so important, even, even for us. And then also connection time with other, other individuals. So each of those components may look different. For example, uh, connection time might look different for me than it does for a super, outgoing extroverted person who's like the life of the party right i i would connection time for me would look like i'm talking to one person we're having conversation but though that may look different for each individual and you may need perhaps i need more of one kind of thing than another person does to be healthy to have a healthy mind 
um, though those things can look different, we each need in some measure or form one of, you know, all of those things in, in our everyday. So trying to incorporate those regularly. That's good. That's really, really good. Really, really practical. So I'm thinking back, I'm going back to the days of when we used to be doing MK retreats and we worked together as a team. The three of us, thank the Lord, we're blessed to be together and helping our MKs. And I, I kind of remember a time where Melinda might have experienced a little bit of an Elijah moment. I don't want to like, you know, point fingers, but when I do point it at you, I have like four coming back at me. So I was right there with you, but can you share, cause you are so good about painting a picture with your words. Can you share what was going on during that time? All right. So MK retreats are just this highly concentrated, no sleep, magical time like magical spiritual wonderful time so we're going into the prep work and people are being picked up from all the flights that thank god Celinda booked and not me and mm-hmm. nobody is sleeping and everybody is just in love with each other like i love these people more than i love any other people on the planet like this is my tribe so we're doing intensive you know, spiritual sessions all day long. And then there are these crazy prayer meetings and lives are being changed and no one wants to leave the room. And then we finally leave the room after praying for hours and we don't go to sleep because we're hanging out. And then there are days that we do amusement parks. And when we do those, we just go, go, go all day. And then we come back and we have more devotions and there's more crying. And then sometimes there's the occasional conga line. It just depends on where things end up. And so It is the best, most beautiful time with the most wonderful people that God has created. And then we take them back to the airport and we put them on the plane and we don't know when we're going to see them again. And we're exhausted. And so the crash is hard. And for me in particular, because I love them so much, because of the element of not knowing when we're going to see them again, because of the build up and all that it takes out of me emotionally and physically and spiritually, it is a, I mean, the fall is far. It is a hard crash. And in those times, You've never recommended to me, Celinda, that I should just like lay on the floor and intercede some more. Right. (laughs) Although that might be a good idea. The only thing that helps me is to just sleep and eat and sit and do nothing and be sad for a minute. You know, sometimes you just have to live through it and take the Lord's hand and just, you know, live through it and sit on your couch. And I remember school of mission specifically, you just took me home with you and we just sat on the couch for like three straight days. And that's the only thing that you just have to rest sometimes. And I think that we forget that and it's okay to rest and it's okay to need a little extra comfort and support. And it's okay. Um, maybe, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast, but it's okay to watch a little Netflix. It's okay to eat some cupcakes. Um, and it's okay to take the time that you need to refuel. Um, What's interesting about this or situations like that is that I find during those times, after those spiritual highs, you come off of them and you are just so exhausted. Those are the loneliest times 
So companionship then, like it's not enough to just sit on the couch and eat chips. Companionship then really plays into this. And Elijah, we see, sends his servant away in the time when he needed companionship the most. So maybe speak to us about how isolation compounds emotional desolation. Yeah, so it's interesting because some of the times where I think I think we've all experienced that before, where the times where you feel the least like you want to be around people are actually the times where you most need them. Um, so there's all sorts of research in, out there that indicates that um, loneliness or perceived isolation, I think it's interesting that they call it perceived isolation, like you feel that way. It may not actually be accurate, but that's how you feel. Um, it's associated with things like uh, depression, cognitive decline, heart trouble, a weakened immune system, and can have the, the potential to negatively impact mental and physical health. Uh, so, you know, putting it simply, people need people. Uh, you know, we were created to be in communion with each other from the garden there's been an importance placed on companionship and we're stronger together. Uh, I personally believe that, you know, this has to do with being a part of the body of Christ, that we need each other's different strengths and viewpoints. Uh, and it's, it's equally important in times of emotional distress, if not more so important to have that social support network around you. And don't you think it's so important to like give people permission to be that voice, even when you are pulling away, even when you're being quiet, even when you physically look like you don't want someone around, you need to give someone permission to be that voice and to pull you back in because the natural tendency is the fight or flight. You know, you want to go away and push everyone away. You might be a little bit more abrasive. You might be short with people, but you know, you've got to let those people into your life because that's what's really going to recharge your batteries and strengthen you. Yes. Um, and and I think that that's so important with the good friendships that the Lord allows in our lives. Exactly. That's something that um, is, is so impactful to me. I think a lot of the time I tend to be uh, where Melinda tends to be very in the feelings. I tend to be more like goal oriented and like, okay, we must move on. We must go to the next thing. You know, what's the next on the schedule, you know, the schedule, Melinda. And um, that piece of empathy and uh, you know, the angel coming to Elijah and just, it was really a, a, an interaction of care and support. And sometimes, you know, I think we can, you know, from the outside looking in, it can be very easy to, push, okay, let's just get on to the next thing. And why aren't you using the logic portion of your brain, et cetera. But that's just the whole point when you're in, you know, when you're in that fear response or, you know, the amygdala has taken over in your brain, you're actually not able to access things like logic and problem solving skills, et cetera. And, um, you know, we encourage working with parents, we encourage them all the time. When your child gets to that point, the thing that you do is not to be like, all right, Johnny, clearly you need to, you know, do this and this and this. The thing that you're supposed to do is comfort them and help them calm down. And then once that's happened, then we can talk about the steps that, you know, the steps that need to be accomplished. But I think that's so important as well, being that 
being a person that's willing and able to just, you know, sit with someone. I think of some of the darkest moments in my life, you know, the people sitting here on this podcast are some of the people that have been the most impactful, just being willing to sit there and say, you know, what do you need? You know, what can I, what can I do for you? And that's so much, um, yes, like a warm hug. And that's, uh, that's so, that's so impactful. And it makes it a lot easier for people not to push you away. If, if you're actually considering what do they need as opposed to what's my agenda in this moment. So. That's so good. And, you know, doesn't that kind of remind you a little bit of Philippians four, eight? I mean, it's like, what does that say to you? And I don't, I find that God gives us each other to better each other, but we've got to allow that person to be there. And, you know, just, it's okay to put your guard down every once in a while. And I feel like right now, especially in North America, people are just, there's such a sense of unrest. And so because every, you know, they're afraid of this or that, or they're just, you know, things don't feel very balanced. They're, they're pulling back to isolation and, and, you know, standing behind a screen and just being on their phone or just doing those kind of things. But really what's going to pull you out is your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord has put that within us that we have got to have that. And then I think, I mean, and Kendra, you can speak to this more than I can and Melinda, just because Melinda, you can speak to this too, but I feel like sometimes the Lord just needs to speak to us and friends need to speak to us with that still small voice. I love how when Elijah gets away from the situation, you know, he's on this journey and, you know, he finds himself in a cave and the Lord begins to speak to him and the Lord knows what he needs at that moment. He doesn't need someone booming, you know, from the heavens. He doesn't need lightning to strike him or be like, what is wrong with you, you dork of America? You know, that's an 80s reference. I know you all are so young, you don't even understand what dork is, but he doesn't need that. He needs the Lord to speak to him in a still, small voice. And I feel like you and I, when we're recharged in the spirit, the Lord knows exactly what we need. And that's what he wants to provide. That's why our daily devotional, our daily time with him is going to build us spiritually, because that's where we hear for ourselves that still, small voice building up in our spirit exactly what we need. Yes. Mm-hmm. So true. Would you like to wrap up, Kendra, with some practical steps that can be taken when we find ourselves in the midst of isolation or in low points or seasons of unrest in our life? Certainly, Melinda. So um, I think a few things that we've already touched base on having that social support network. So If you're not familiar with that term, social support network, that can look like perhaps you have an inner circle and there might be people that, you know, as the circle moves out and gets bigger and bigger, they might be included in. But especially that inner circle of people that, you know, like we've been talking about that are your safe place and are a point of of support for you and you can go to them in your lowest moments, having, having that and being intentional about placing those people in your life. I think a lot of, of components of self-care are being intentional about placing things in your life when everything's going great so that when things are not going great, you already have them in place. So that social support network, uh, being intentional about self-care. And I think often when we hear that term self-care, uh, people can associate that with like, 
a trip to the spa or a bubble bath, et cetera. That can also look like eating three solid meals a day, getting proper rest and sleep at night, um, you know, taking time for physical activity. It can include those, um, those just practical components that can be so important as well. And it looks different and unique for each individual. So, you know, for example, a big thing for me is organizing my week or if I get stressed or anxious, I get up and start like cleaning the house, et cetera. You know, someone with a different personality, that would be totally overwhelming and would be the thing that caused them to be stressed and anxious in the first place. You know, that, for example, um, I do want to mention mindfulness. So that is just intentionality about being present in the moment. There are different um, exercises and things that you you can look up and, and learn more about. But basically, mindfulness brings us into the here and now. Um, and in that sense, can have a scriptural basis of like, don't worry for tomorrow, but being, you know, just taking one day at a time. I think that's definitely a biblical principle. And it's interesting. Mindfulness kind of ties in with the the idea of neuroplasticity. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but back in the day with brain development, the major thought was, Okay, our brains develop, once they're developed, that's it. Sorry if your brain developed, you know, had some mistakes along the way or some little oopsie moments. Too bad your brain is just stuck that way. So neuroplasticity basically means that you can rewire your brain. So by being intentional, incorporating things. So the things that you practice are the things that you become better at. So, for example, if you practice anger and bitterness, you become better at being angry and bitter. But if you practice forgiveness and love and compassion, you become better at being forgiving and loving and compassionate. Okay, that's basically what that is. Um, and I think the final thing, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I think, um, and Celinda touched on it, but the word of God and also being in prayer every day and asking for his direction and, and leading is so important. I think back to um, there are times in my in my life that I went through situations and, um, you know, I didn't know at the time, like, oh, these are the technical, you know, coping mechanisms that I should have in place. I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of that. But, you know, through prayer and through reading the word, God led me and guided me it's guided a word i'm now i'm now confused maybe it's not but anyway he led me and he guided me to the things that i needed to do that were going to help me in that time and um you know one of one thing that's been super helpful you know when times are difficult taking scriptures of encouragement and posting them like putting them in front of your eyes and actually, you know, ruminating on those throughout the day can be so important. Like God, you know, there's a reason that the Bible refers to him as our counselor. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will support you through any situation. I 100% believe that, you know, so that, you know, that's so important as well. Do you have any, any thoughts to add anyone? I think Melinda can close up. There is a reason that the Bible refers to God as our counselor. There is a reason that the Bible refers to God as our friend and our strength and our strong tower 
and he's given us a whole world full of things to help us maintain good mental health like naps and chips and friends yes and i'm just so grateful for this conversation because it's allowing us to know some of the tools that we've been given by god to help move us forward in a healthy way you don't have to stay exhausted you don't have to stay isolated you don't have to stay lonely the lord is there to help you he will help you spiritually he will help you practically he knows exactly what you need and i'm just grateful to have shared this conversation with some people who have proven to be exactly what i need and i'm thankful for you guys listening that you were able to be a part of it today Thank you for listening to another episode of the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. Don't just pause, ponder, and project, but also subscribe, share, and listen to this podcast. Join us again next week for another exciting episode.